Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. On the podcast today, we have Norberto Briseño, Director of Social Media at Voto Latino. We'll talk about creating a space for the Latinx community in today's politics that is both relatable and authentic. Thank you for following the Jesse Garcia Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Attention queer Latinx community. Thousands of LGBTQ and allied activists will gather in Dallas, Texas for the 32nd Creating Change Conference the week of January 15th through the 19th at the Sheraton Dallas. Come help build the LGBTQ movement's political power from the ground up to secure our overarching goal of full freedom, justice, and equality for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people. For more information about this January conference, visit creatingchange.org. That's creatingchange.org. Imagine going to work each day and being able to create and define your job as you go along. That's the creative world that Norberto Briseño lives in. The New York University School of Arts major graduated with the intent of going into theater and film, but instead, the digital world got a hold of his creative mind and placed him in a pivotal role where Latinx art and activism collide to change hearts and uplift minds. Briseño went to go work with news and entertainment company BuzzFeed and helped launch its Latino channel by co-creating the very popular Better Like web series. His viral content ranged from social issues and Latin American food analysis to comedic skits and relatable Latinoisms that attracted 1 million subscribers on YouTube and 2 million followers on Facebook. Briseño's golden touch with content that resonates with a new generation of tech-savvy Latinx youth made him a great addition to Voto Latino, where he serves as social media director. Let's now hear from Briseño about his journey from struggling college student to social media giant and the importance of authenticity when speaking to the Latinx community. I am very honored to have on the show today Norberto Briseño, social media director from Voto Latino and co-creator of Better Like, the online viral channel that connected with Latinx audiences across the nation. Thank you for having me. I am so happy to have you here and I'm um, very excited to see so many people already planning ahead for next year's election. Mm -hmm. Before we get into that, Tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you involved into in the po in politics. Oof, that's a that's a that's a it's a long story. I think like so for me, let me just go back and then we'll see where where we end up. Um, so I actually uh, I actually went to school uh, at NYU for theater because mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to write and direct uh, plays for my people. I wanted to do plays for, for, for Latinos and because I never saw myself represented. And I thought, well, you know what? NYU is probably the best place to go for that. Exactly. Right? And then you graduate and then you realize, oh, nobody's going to pay you for this. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I graduated back in 2010 and uh, it was difficult for me. I think it was one of those things where I realized, like, I want to keep doing art, but this is not something that I can 
I, I can't do it. I can't maintain my, the 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 cost of living in New York was just way too much. And then after a while, like even though I was interning at four or five, six places, I'm like, I'm not making any money. And it's one of those things that uh, one of the biggest defeats I ever had. And so I went back home to LA and I uh, immediately started interning for other people, other organizations, non artistic nonprofits. Uh, and while I was doing that, I was also working with my dad, uh, sending boats for a living. And, and wow. I, was, I was working from like four o'clock in the morning till about one o'clock in the afternoon. And then I would go intern and learn how to edit videos from two o'clock until midnight. You're picking up all these skills. All these skills along the way. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you don't look. I learned. I feel like I learned a lot at school. Yeah. I learned a lot at NYU. All right, how to be a storyteller. Mm -hmm. These are the examples of, of 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 good work that has happened before. But at the end of the day, when it comes to actually getting in the grind and learning, you, you got to just do it yourself. Exactly. Like there's no like no one's going to be able to teach you this knowledge unless you go out there and actually do it. And when I first started, I was like, I don't even know what editing programs to use. I don't know what computers to to buy. Like, I don't have all the, the tools necessary to make this work. But I made it happen. And I learned. And I asked people. And I asked questions. And I, I would, the great thing that helped me out was that I found cool people who were willing to help me out. And it all came from just asking. I emailed tons of organizations. Yo, can I can I intern for you? Uh, we're not really doing internships, but sure, why not? Let's, let's see what you can help out with. So you were doing your services for free, or were you able to get some salary out of it? Back then, nobody was paying. Yeah. And this is around 20, I want to say 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where it was just like, nobody's, nobody's paying you anything. And, you know, back then, I didn't have the... Uh, the, 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 the knowledge of being able to say my, my work is, is of value, right? Nobody had really told me that. And we've been conditioned not to think that way. Work is work. And, you know, in, in, this will be a connection that you can use in the future. And the thing is, that's something that desperately needs to change. But I think at the time, I, I was just a young kid and I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, you they're know? starting to shame people for not paying their interns, mm -hmm. which is a great, great thing to do because it's, it's, it's putting, um, they're taking advantage of all these young people yeah. that are working very long hours, mm -hmm. especially in D.C., where they get to do all the, they do all the grunt work. Right. And for them not to be paid a living wage, it's, it's, it's just a scam. It's, but the thing is, right? In order for us to point out that there was a scam going on, we had to go through the scam ourselves. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that I was just like, yo, something doesn't seem right about this. My dad, who can't afford much, was paying me to sand boats. Yeah. Right? So and I'm he, like, if my dad can do it. Exactly. These corporations. What about these corporations? What about these organizations? Yo, know? like, come on, you can pay something. Pay it doesn't something. it doesn't always have to be like, you know what? Like you know, you're not always gonna get paid a million dollars in any job you go. But something but something. Yeah. Something is always necessary. But again, I grew up in a in a time when, you know, that's just wasn't that wasn't an option. You ask people for a stipend, they'd be like, Okay, how about no? And we'll just hire the guy next to you. <laughs> right? So it was one of those things. And, you know, but I but I hustled. I hustled. And I, I I worked at four or five different internships at the same time. And I was learning how to edit videos for uh, video artists. Uh, and because I thought it was just great 
skills to have. And then I uh, got recommended to a uh, fellowship at BuzzFeed. And that's where I wow. first became, uh, where I became officially a, a writer, a BuzzFeed writer. Uh, and I got hired on there in 2014. Uh-huh. And that's where I f- started my career in media and doing, uh, I did a lot of listicles, a lot of quizzes that specifically focused on the Latino experience. And it was one of those things where nobody had really done stuff up until that point. There had been a couple of posts here and there, but nobody that was really dedicated so to that. So you were paving the way. You were creating a whole new... I wouldn't say I was paving the way. Like, you never think of it. Yeah, as, yeah, when you're in the moment, you're like, yes, I, <laughs> I have come to pave the way for my peoples. No, no, no. no. It, it, but I, but you're, you're injecting Latinos into political discussions that weren't highlighted before you know not here's the thing right it wasn't even political discussions it was just i wanted to see myself represented in any way um and the thing was you know i the kind of the kind of content that i made very early on in, at buzzfeed was 23 things that only mexicans would understand yeah you know like just just silly <laughs> yes. stuff like that yeah. and then you realize that people all like at, at first i was just like you know what i can relate to this and you know, not not none of my editors could relate to it. None of my coworkers could could relate to it. They would get back notes and be like, "What's a chancla?" Like, <laughs> like what? but it was one of those things where I was like, "I can relate to it." And I feel like other people will be able to relate to it as well. Yeah. And that's what happened. And people started sharing the content, and they were commenting, were, "Oh my god, this is! Are you looking into my life? What's going on?" <laughs> and so, lo and behold, like. Uh, once I had, you know, established myself as a as a Latino writer at BuzzFeed, I I said, all right, the next step is we want our own Facebook page, we want our own YouTube channel, mm-hmm. uh, and with the help of, you know, it was myself, uh, Jasmine Ontiveros, Jenny Lorenzo, Alex Alvarez, the four of us uh, co-founded what today is known as Better Like on YouTube. Oh yes, and it's you know essentially it's essentially like you know it's Latino BuzzFeed, but it was made it was content by Latinos for Latinos. Because we wanted to make stuff that we could relate to. Exactly. And I think that's when we learned not everything on the internet is made for everybody. You know what? There's some content that you might get. There's some content that you might not get. And that's okay. This is content for Latinos. And specifically for Latinos that grew up in the U.S. Uh, And it it was something that we took a gamble. And we said, all right, (laughs) we're going to put all of our eggs in this basket. And if it fails... We're probably gonna get fired, you know, but but we did it. And again, this is a whole not knowing. Have you ever managed a social media page? Absolutely not. I had never managed anything like that. I, how do you hold a camera? How do you, you know, how do you do sound? How do you set up a light? You don't really know. You just do. You just do. And and then you 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 make a couple of errors along the way, and then by doing those errors, you learn how to do them again. Yeah. So you learn along the way, and. That's how we, you know, that's kind of how we did the process back back then. It was organic and it worked. What was so beautiful about it is that we didn't, it, between the four of us, we asked ourselves, all right, we're going to write this video. Does this video make us laugh? If it makes us laugh, that's all we need. That's all. And it was like, we're not trying to pander to our audience. We know this. We are this audience. Yeah. And so that's how it's essentially Better Light came. There was a great, uh, a, a Great producers who came on uh, after us, uh, you know, Carly Velasquez, uh, Maya Murillo, um, Gadiel Del Orbe, Julissa Calderon, and um, uh, Claudia Restrepo. And 
together they took better like to the next level they did their content that was relatable to them and they created that whole latino experience the diversity in the latino experience um and that's how essentially like we, it became better like better like became this this brand that people could recognize not only as a latino brand but essentially like what we did was that we we showed the different varieties of latinos that exist in our under this latino umbrella and I think that's something that we were very proud of. We were proud that we were able to represent Centroamericanos, Dominicanos, uh, fourth generation Mexican Americans. And I think the that's. English dominant ones. And English dominant ones. Como, como dicen, los que hablan el español machucado. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, yeah. and then you got, you know, like, it was something that we, uh, that we found it funny on ourselves. We yes. found the humor. Um, and again, everyone learned the exact same way. We didn't come in really with any uh, with any experience on how to do this. Nobody taught us the ropes. You just kind of had to do it yourself. Um, and that was something that was really cool. And we got the experience from that. Now, once we started Better Like, we kind of became known as the comedy channel. Like, you know, this does funny skits. Where they do uh, they do relatable content, taste tests, all this stuff. But I saw that there was a need to also talk about serious issues that was happening within the Latino community. And I remember with the, one of the first big videos that, that I did was a simple vlog where I talked into the camera. Because at this point, we had heard another news story about how a teacher told her students to go back to Mexico. And I'm like, how many times have we heard this news story already? That a teacher tells a student to go back to Mexico. And then we looked up the amount of news stories that had occurred. And it had been like five times in, within the span of like six months. And I'm like, yo, we get, we have to say something about this. And sometimes it's not funny. Sometimes it's but not it's been comical. normalized. It's been normalized. And I think it's, all, it's, our, it's our responsibility as Latinos to call it to out. Call it out. Mm-hmm. This is happening in our community. We don't, as Latinos, we do not have the privilege of being able to put mute push mute on these issues on the news we do not have the privilege of being able to push mute on the news we do not have the privilege of being able to say you know what i i i I don't care about politics it's our responsibility to do it because we do it for our families we do it for our friends we do it for our communities uh and so i said you know what i'm i have something to say about this i'm just gonna say into the camera and then we'll see what happens maybe nobody will like it who knows um and I, I did it. It was called a message to everyone who says go back to Mexico. Uh, and that video, uh, it killed on Facebook. It did over uh, 150,000 shares. Wow. And uh, was seen over 11 million times. And it was one of those wow. videos that like just hit. And slowly but surely, I was like, all right, cool. We can express ourselves. We, have the, we, ha- we are allowed to be angry. We are allowed to show that yes, we'll be we'll do entertaining stuff. We'll be we'll be comical, but we can also be serious and talk about these serious things that are happening in our world. And it was great; <laughs> people people enjoyed it, and uh, and that was something that I really that that's when I knew. All right, there's something here where we can tackle news stories that are going on. And ever since then, we we had Gadiel talk about. Uh, do you remember that lawyer dude in New York who told uh, the the restaurant staff to stop speaking Spanish? Yeah, I remember. Otherwise, that. he was going to report them to ICE. <laughs> and then they send them mariachis. And- yeah, and then they send them mariachis, <laughs> and they, they they ruined his life with mariachis. Can you believe that? <laughs> mm. But that's how I eventually got into into into. If I I don't know if I got into politics, but it, that that got me at least 
talking about issues that affect our community that have always been there but never been addressed uh and i i come from a family that that has immigrants documented and undocumented my parents came here as undocumented immigrants and i think for me it's it was a responsibility of mine to talk about these issues and tackle these issues that are happening for other people uh for my people and I think that was something that I, I really wanted to hone in on. And that was the type of content that I would usually do uh, on, on Battle Like. Besides doing awesome, composing awesome playlists that everybody <laughs> listens to, uh, I was also doing, you know, these serious vlog form uh, videos. And so eventually what happened was um, there was a major, not a major news story. I don't know who really cared about it. But back in back last January... Uh, BuzzFeed announced that they were um, cutting 15% of their staff. And uh, lo and behold, I was one of the people that they cut. And it was uh, a bittersweet pill. At that point, I had already been at BuzzFeed for five years. Yeah, Uh, I have been with Better Like since its inception. I had done all this content. um, And I think it was one of those things, one of the first times in my life when I knew how blessed I was. Uh, because when that happened, uh, the you know I put it out on Twitter, just like everybody else. It's like exactly. Uh, all right, so after five years, I've been let go. I think yeah. I quoted a uh, uh, Nectar Lavosa somewhere <laughs> in there, and and I was just like, all right, whatever. It, it happens. Yeah, like they they cut you. You you've been you've you've been released. The what are you gonna do about it? Are we gonna cry? Or are we gonna move on? And at that point, um, you know, we had somebody reached out to me over Instagram. Uh, and it was a, uh, it, it was, it was one of those things where um, Rosa de Laquel reached out to me, and she was at the time of the VP, uh, the the VP of digital for Voto, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Hey, why don't you like think about you know, how do you how do you feel about moving to DC and and working for us?" And I thought about it. And I was like. DC, como que maybe I don't know, and it took me a while to think, like, to really like come around to the idea of moving to DC and working in in politics in the nonprofit world. Uh, part of it because I was scared <laughs> of moving from LA. I was scared of uh, tackling a, a an industry. I want to call it an industry, a, a business. I was scared of tackling a business that was so unknown to me. Yeah, and I, in D.C., a lot of people don't think there's Latinos here. <laughs> they just think it's just policy wonks mm-hmm. and, and elected officials. But you come here and 14% of the population mm-hmm. is Latino, you know? It's, we're just not visible enough, but we're here. I And, and that's the thing, right? Like, you... But it's intimidating, y'all, because exactly. you guys. The thing is, like, when you think of DC, you think of people who are actually like, they're 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 all beasts in what they do to get stuff done. Exactly. And it's and, and I thought oh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to survive out there. Like, so again, it's a whole new world. It's a different world from what I was doing. I was doing quizzes and listicles, and <laughs> you know, and like I think my last video was was if Satanás was Latino, like. It, <laughs> And I was like, what, what am I going to contribute? But uh, but they saw something in me. They saw, you know what? You know how to relate to, Latino, to, to Latinos. You know how to relate to, to the Latino community. Uh, and not only that, but we need 
to spread our message and in a way that it isn't really hammering people over the head. People are tired of that. People are tired of just being told facts and all this information to the point where people are tuning out. So they need somebody that made it more relatable. Not only more relatable, Plain language, more entertaining, and, and more entertaining. like because yeah. you want to you want to get to the people, you want to build a community, and that's something that not only Voto but a lot of organizations out here uh, need. Um, they they all have messaging. Everyone mm-hmm. has messaging. Everyone has uh, facts that they need to articulate, but it never really penetrates the community that is trying to reach i feel like in dc sometimes we live in an echo chamber mm-hmm. and we're all just all agreeing with one another without actually reaching the people that it needs to reach and so and i'm not saying that i will be the one like i will be the one no. to deliver this message to my people but, but you come with a very good creative background like and from the populations that they're trying to reach Mm-hmm. So that was a win-win for them. Yes, and I think for and and, and that's the thing, right? Like I, I've been here uh, for oh my god, seven seven months now. Yes, I'm. I feel like an outsider because I'm. I don't feel like I'm plugged into the system. I feel like I am somebody who is still that you know bratty mocoso from <laughs> from L.A. You know, like that's that's where I come from. And I don't, you know, I'm not suddenly going to become DC. I don't know what becoming DC is, but <laughs> like it, it's imperative for me to, to always analyze our content and make sure would this be something that I would share with somebody or is this typical boring, you know, just like here are some facts like no. And the thing is, there is no there is no right or wrong way of doing it. There's no right or wrong way of doing it. That's exactly right. I think social media is is an experiment. It's a laboratory where you try out different things. And most of the time you're going to fail. <laughs> yeah. You know, most of the time you're going to fail and that's something that you you have to uh, you have to work around and understand that you know what when it comes to this type of content, there will be things that will do great, there will be things that will fail. And that's totally okay. But the point is that we're trying and we are trying to again really tap into our our communities, which I think we haven't done a good job at. And so that's what we're trying. <laughs> cool. Uh, things have drastically changed since 2016. Uh, the last time we had a presidential election, we had a candidate that was on the ballot that was running already attacking Latinos even before he got mm-hmm. elected. How are things? changing for Voto Latino this time around. Are more people more interested in voting, being engaged, or have they been totally turned off to the point that they can't stand politics? Because, I mean, I don't blame them. I come home, I turn off the TV, I don't want to even listen to Mm -hmm. CNN because it's just like I get triggered. But have you seen people that you've met that you're engaging to get the vote out? Are they engaged or they're just sick of politics? I think there is uh, there is a feeling of uh, of exhaustion. People are tired. Uh, people are tired of always just seeing bad news. People are tired of seeing uh, ourselves misrepresented, of nobody talking about our issues. But the thing is that our community is there, and we are we are active, um, and that's something that we. If people reach out to us, we will listen. 
but we have to be able to reach out to the communities and talk to them and that's the thing with with the messaging right nobody likes being just lectured to it's not something where you can just be like go out and vote and just repeat that a million times that's not usually the way things work you have to be able to do it in a way that's entertaining and engaging at the same time and that's something that we are trying to desperately change that's the course we're trying to correct um we're trying to make it so that voting like registering to vote is something that is fun and it's also you know what this is at, this is your community and this is what it, what's at stake and letting people know what's on the line with these with the, with this 2020 election that's coming up that's something that we have to better inform our audience about um and i think it's one of those things where we we want to avoid just making people angry all the time we want to avoid making people depressed all the time because it's tiring <laughs> you know how, how many videos have you watched right where it's just sad faces black and white and yeah. you're just like oh no like we're like we're victims oh this terrible thing is happening and it's just like yeah we get it like we get it and so that's part of the reason why the our approach is to uplift and empower now you got your work cut out because you have a very demanding electorate 44 mm-hmm. percent of the latino vote last time around were millennial mm-hmm. which is unheard of compared to the other uh communities we have the largest chunk of voters who are under or that they are considered millennials mm-hmm. that's probably going to grow this year mm-hmm. um this time around how is that affecting the way you put out content i so again my specialty is in terms of the content and making it authentic uh one of the things is right one of the mistakes that a lot of people tend to do is to think how can i reach the millennials and the gen zers that will go out and, and vote you know a lot of first-time voters we should you know we should make you know, we should make a TikTok. We should make, you know, these <laughs> things. And he's just like, no, bro. Like, that's not, that's not, that's not the solution. The solution isn't, let's aim for a younger audience. The solution is just to be authentic. Tell the be truth. Be real. People respect that. Whether It doesn't matter what age you are. People respect you being honest as opposed to just pandering. And that's something that what, what we're trying to do is bring a little bit more of that authenticity. Make it so that it's, it's entertaining, that it's engaging, it's a little funny, it's a little serious, but also that we need to be able to be honest and have serious conversations about that. And also talk about, as much as we say, you know, register to vote, register to vote, we need to address so many issues that are, that, that are, that are affecting our communities. How registering to vote isn't actually easy for a lot of people. There are a lot of barriers in the way. And that's something that we need to inform our audience about. We need to be real with them and be like, you know what? Registering to vote maybe in your state is not easy. And let me tell you why. Yeah. They need to prepare like if they have a criminal background, Mm -hmm. if they have the right type of IDs Mm -hmm. and how if they're in a role, they got to make sure that that voter role is up to date. Absolutely. That you know where to go because there's so many things. Another thing that they have to worry about is election day, mm-hmm. the voter intimidation. Mm-hmm. Are y'all working to basically prepare our community? It, it's one of those things where we, you know, like if if it were up to us, we'd be able to do absolutely everything. Because we're not able to do that, sometimes what we do, what we think is best sometimes, is to uplift the local communities that are actually, the organizations on the local level that are actually doing the work 
and and on on any uh so you try to connect anywhere. with stuff that's already on the ground so you don't have to reinvent it exactly like yes. because the thing is it's not useful right and oh, yeah. who, like who are these people coming in from dc yeah. thinking they can you know no there are already people there are there are there are activists there are there are warriors actually doing the work already that nobody ever hears about i think it's our job to give them a platform to fundraise for that's them smart. to share uh them as organizations to, to let people know, hey, if you actually care about these issues and you want to donate, donate to this group right here. And we have the platform to be able to uplift that. And I think that's something that, w- that what we're trying to do is uplift more smaller organizations on the local level that are doing great work that nobody ever hears about. And that's something that we can do. Um, and so that that's something that we are preparing for uh, for the election day to make sure that this intimidation, like we got to call it out. And also... It's gonna sound weird, but you know what? We've been we've been living in fear our whole lives. It's been around us since forever, and it's one of those things like you know what? Voting's no different. <laughs> it's no yes. different. Oh, somebody's got a gun, but get chinging a su madre. Like we're gonna go and we're gonna. This is our duty, and we're gonna protect ourselves, this and is, that's what we're gonna do. Because they could screw us out of jobs. They could screw mm-hmm. us out of of of, of access to. To healthcare, to to better communities, but more it's more everything. funding for this. But they, we all are guaranteed the right to vote, mm-hmm. and we can change stuff. Absolutely, yeah. we can change stuff, and and that that's the thing about it, right? Nobody, it's everybody. Every time everybody thinks about voting, they think about the president, yeah. the presidentials, and it's not just about the presidentials. It's about what's happening in our states. It's what's happening in our counties, our in courthouses. our in our courthouses. It's what's happening with our laws, with the judges up in the Supreme Court, and it's just so there's so much at stake. Um, and that's something that we we try and give a bigger picture because yes, the presidential election is what's important. It's usually what's on the news every time you turn it on. But again, there is still so much that in each state, in each community. They have their own uh, local elections that they need to pay attention to. Are you all working on um, certain states this coming election? Are you yes. dedicating um, resources? Absolutely. So right now, uh, we have been tackling, getting, trying to get more people to register to vote in Virginia. We've been trying to get more people to register to vote in Texas. And Texas is one of the places that we are really trying to make sure that the Latinos come out and vote. I was about to ask, mm-hmm. are there certain states that you see on the verge of going purple? Purple. Yeah, a progressive purple. <laughs> From my perspective, my personal perspective as yeah. Norberto Briseño, um, <laughs> I would say Texas. Texas. Yeah. Texas is one of the, the grounds that you, it's there. It's at the cusp. Uh, and that's where there, there's so many Latinos that they need to come out and register. Yeah. I have statistics here from the last election in 2016. 28.1% of the electorate was Latino in Texas. Mm-hmm. That is a big chunk. Huge. Huge chunk. And if they would all turn out, my God, mm-hmm. how it would look so different. Absolutely. And the thing is, uh, there's a lot of first-time voters coming out. And the thing and the thing with Texas is that, you know, it's one of those things where... How can I say this? There's a... People are, are, are waking up more to what the world is like right now. 
and it's all things to the kids who are getting education to teach their parents, yo, this is how I feel about the world that I live in. And that's something that's been amazing to see. That's amazing to watch, to take, to see that the these teenagers. Yeah, because it's beautiful to see when, you know, parents teach children, but when it goes the other way around and you see teens mm-hmm. trying to educate their parents and say, hey, we need to, we need to go vote. Yeah, we need to change. This cannot always be like this. Absolutely, and there's so many great people on the ground in Texas that are doing some amazing work, and we want to be able to, uh, to to make sure that they have the information that they need, right? And and that's one of the reasons. So we we created this app called VoterPal, and what VoterPal does is that uh, it allows you to register to vote. Um, and makes it streamlines the process of the the paper ba- uh, the the paper registration, right? And this app makes it easy for not only for you to register to vote, but it makes it easy for your family to register to vote. You can register to vote people yourself, and it's again we're we're trying to provide the tools to make this a lot easier. So people. it's it's called Voter Pal. Voter Pal, yeah. And some states it's hard mm-hmm. to do stuff online. Look what happened with Stacey Abrams mm-hmm. that did online voting. In uh, uh, in Georgia, yeah, and some of those got thrown mm-hmm. out. Is there a way um, that this voter pal is it available in every state? Or it, just- it's available in every state. It uh, takes care of uh, specifically paper re- uh, mail in registrations. Um, so it's one of those things, right? You open up your phone, yeah. uh, you scan your uh, your driver's license or your state ID, uh-huh. and uh, it fills it out. It fills out your awesome. the, the registration form for you. You print it out, you sign it, you and send it in the mail. Yeah. Okay. So and, yeah, it does take care and of it, it. and it takes care of it, and especially for places like Texas where it's all mail in, mm-hmm. you got to be able to have a tool that that helps you out with that. And again, we thought about we thought about Texas when when doing this app, and that's one of the things that's like. All right, that's just one tool of many tools that we can we can provide. And what we're trying to do is educate more people about what's going on in Texas. What is it? What's at stake it's in Texas? And again, on every level, not just the presidential, but also who are these representatives that are coming that, that are going to be representing you? And it's one of those things where we need to be able to do a better job of explaining. If more people want to learn about uh, Voto Latino, mm-hmm. what events are coming up or where can they get more information? Absolutely. Well, they can always, uh, you know, definitely check out our socials. Make sure that you're up to date at Voto Latino uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, recently, actually, in, in Austin, we had our big uh, power summit uh, out in out in Austin. And that was that was really cool to see. And it's it, it's a little mini convention. Uh, we had over 300 attendees come and learn from people. From organizers, learn from people who are doing activist work, um, and it was it gave uh, these attendees the opportunity to, to to learn how to be organizers of themselves. We had classes on how to actually run for office. We always think of running for office as this weird abstract thing. All right, well let's let's talk about how you actually you can actually logistically do that. And it was a great event that where we where we talked a little bit about a little bit of everything. Uh, we had panels on Latinidad. We had panels on how to fundraise uh, for your campaigns. We had panels with uh, people from great organizations like Raices. Um, you know, give so many ge- uh, gems to to these attendees. Uh, and we had you know the Latino organizers from uh, from most of the campaigns that we invited. Uh, I hope you had. 
uh, workshops on how to run an election because we need so many poll workers. Yes. It's yes. always those older generation folks. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, some of them are not very friendly to Latinos when you walk up. But some of them are. But yeah. the thing is that we need to have more of our people. It, not just election workers, but we also need just volunteers, people to be able to... to, to Drive people to the polls. To, to get people to the polls. That has become such an uh, such an issue. Right, and we need people to be like, you know what? This is our community. This is what's at stake. All right, <laughs> yeah. Let's get into the car and let's go. Let's, yes. let's let's get people to the polls. Uh, we need to be more active in that process. Uh, and the more that we're active in that process, the less scary it is. Norberto, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Sharing all your back history <laughs> and and wonderful history that what made you. Such a creative person to begin with, mm-hmm. and how Voto Latinos blessed to have you now to help them get the word out. Do you have any personal uh, websites to learn more about your work? Uh, oof, let me see. Hmm. I'm gonna go and say at uh, Norberto Briseño on Twitter and Instagram. My Twitter is more, you know, political. My Instagram is. There's sometimes weird video art in there, so just watch out. But You're it's a all very there. creative fellow, and I cannot wait to see where you end up after this election. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But you know what? The election's all that's that's our target. That's our point. That's what we're working. Working to get our people to get out the vote. Thank you, brother. <laughs>